Hello, everybody. This is uh, I'm Michael Eisner, and this is the Natural Health. Oh my gosh, I forgot the name of my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Ankylosing. Oh my gosh, ankylosing spondylitis, natural health. It's been a little while since I <laughs> produced a podcast. That's embarrassing. Okay, but that's the name of the podcast, and here we are again. And today we have Eve Brew from upstate New York. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank I'm you very for having good. me on. It's a real pleasure. It's a great pleasure of mine to have you on this show. I really, really enjoyed reading your pre-interview form. It really caught my interest and. I was like, wow, um, I'm very excited to speak with you today. Thanks. You're welcome. So, yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, Here is a brief introduction about Eve. She's 37 years old. She lives in New Jersey, and she grew up in a very rural area in upstate New York. She grew up without television and internet, which I thought was incredible, and I was kind of jealous when I heard that because... I just wonder what kind of or how creative I might have been and what I might have gotten into if I didn't spend so many hours in front of the television. So I think that's very cool. You had a very different upbringing than mine. Um, and she has a sister and she went to a very small public school. She has a bachelor's degree and works as a freelance TV and video editor. She has a dog. She has a husband. And she loves to take, she loves to act and she loves to do improv, which I do as well. So we got something in common there. That's pretty cool. Yes, definitely. Yes, very cool. So um, let's just jump, uh, jump right in and start with what did you begin feeling in your body that felt like symptomatic? And how old were you? And what was it that you started feeling? Um, it took me forever to catch on that something maybe not normal was happening. I think the first time I ever felt achy, I was probably like 24, 25. And I was like brushing my teeth. And I was like, oh, it really hurts to just stand here. But um, I don't think I got diagnosed until I was 29. So looking back on it, I can say that that was probably joint pain. But at the time, it didn't even occur. Like it didn't register at all. Sure. Um so what was it that that really started waking you up and going, okay, there's something seriously wrong here? Oh, you know, it was I got uveitis in my eye, um, and an eye doctor told me that it was inflammation and I should get checked for autoimmune diseases. Is that but, is that iritis? Uh, yeah, I think that's the other word for it. Yeah, oh, okay, I, think I believe they're the same thing. Okay. Yeah, where you in your eyes just so inflamed and you kind of need to put like some steroid drops to bring the inflammation down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I had a lot of back pain, but you know, I was like working, you know, I was commuting. So I was sitting on a train long hours and I was sitting in front of a computer long hours. So sort of everyone I knew in my profession was also going to the chiropractor or having back trouble. So it didn't register to me. Um, that it was anything unusual for like a long time. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, how, um, what would you say was the worst symptoms you had? Was it back pain or the iritis that was really? Um, the back pain is probably, the joint pain probably really, the iritis was impossible to ignore because right. I, like, I couldn't look at sunlight and taking an Advil didn't fix it. Yep. So that was 
short lived and I only experienced it once. So it doesn't feel like a big deal. Whereas like, you know, the back pain seemed to be a much more bigger presence in my life. Um, just, you know, the reduced mobility or like, you know, it used to be running a lot and then not really being able to run. So I feel like that had a bigger impact, but it was easier to brush off. Absolutely. Right. I get that. Yeah. The iritis is quite alarming. Like it has to be addressed and, yeah. you know, you can't really ignore it. It's really. Right. They're like, oh, if you don't bring this inflammation down, it could really affect your vision long term. You're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> what explains why I can't see right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The strange thing is like it's, it was always the least of my worries. Yeah. For whatever reason. I mean, it was quite alarming when I couldn't see and like my vision was like extremely impaired and light was really a big problem. But yeah, I mean, for me, the back pain and the hip pain was like, was so alarming that, you know, so, yeah, so paralyzing that it was way more of a, uh, an alarm for me. Um, what, uh, what would you say? Um, so what did you begin to do? You went and saw a doctor about this. Was it a rheumatologist? So the eye doctor, um, yes, they sent me to my regular doctor, got the HLA-B27 test. The regular doctor said, go to a rheumatologist. The rheumatologist said, you have AS. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> right. So were you um, put on other medication besides the um, prednisolone for your eye? Um, I just did, yeah, I did the eye drops because that felt super important to, um, you know, get that under control. And then they wrote me a prescription for Celebrex, but I never, I never filled it. <laughs> You didn't know, okay. Yeah. So you just, use... <laughs> just Advil as needed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. That makes sense. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. I think I I ignored my Celebrex um uh, prescription for years, for years and years. I didn't want to take it. I stayed away from it. So I get that. What made you? Did you start looking into natural forms of healing or? I did because I didn't like the idea that it was out of my control and I didn't, um, also being a freelancer and living in the United States, having to go to doctors on the regular and pay for prescriptions can be pretty insane. Um, cause you know, um, you know, I'm paying for my own health insurance and then that, that usually, um, comes with like not such a great plan, um, when you're freelance and you're buying your own insurance. So like the prescription costs can add up. So just sort of, uh, financial concerns and also just in principle wanting to feel like I was not beholden to having to go to the pharmacy to feel okay. Um, I just wanted to be in control myself. Absolutely. I get that. What did you try? Um, I tried a, I tried the no starch diet. It did not have a big impact for me. Like I really wanted it to, but I was so, miserable doing it. And it could be, and I, and I don't mean to discourage anyone else if it's working for them. I fully encourage it, but I did, I, and I was also going pretty low carb at the same time. So I was pretty, I think in retrospect, like exhausted, I realized like actually a low carb diet can make you pretty tired. Um, so eventually I just kind of gave it up. That's not to say that other people shouldn't try it or, you know, or should give it up if it's working for them, but it just was not a good fit for me. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. What else, was there anything else you, you tried? Um, Um, any, um, any curcumin, any other diet? Yeah, I did take some of that. I didn't, 
notice a big impact. One thing that I think I have noticed, like, excuse me, keeping your digestion under control is like helpful. Um, like just not having, not feeling bad in your digestive tract. I think this is going to sound kind of gross, but if you (laughs) are not constipated, (laughs) I've noticed that that actually, um, seems to reduce symptoms. Mm -hmm. So that was the one digestive takeaway that I kind of felt as like, Oh, I kind of noticed a difference. Um, so did you take something to keep you more <laughs> no, just like eat fruit, just eat, eat fruit. like a healthy diet. More um, yeah, <laughs> just, but that's kind of basic. Like just, I would recommend that for anybody's general health, I think. Right. And cause I think that like in general, it's just something that I've noticed that like, if you end up having a problem with that, you might, I, I would say I would end up feeling like a little more achy. And then when everything's normal there, it's just, not such a thing. Um, so that was the one thing from really paying attention to my digestion that I like observation that seemed to hold true for me. Right. Um, so, um, do you, can you track that down your digestive down to, uh, this is kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but emotional state. Um, huh, that's a good question. Um, I think one of the reasons emotionally the no starch diet didn't work for me was that I felt really emotionally isolated. Um, I had a lot of stress around food and going out to eat with people. I felt sad for myself, (laughs) like left out or like I got so sick of explaining to people what I was doing and having them look at me like I was weird. Um, so it's interesting. I wonder if that's one of the reasons that cutting starch out kind of sabotaged it. Cause I felt, um, I don't know. None of my friends seem to really get it. And they definitely seem to think I was pretty weird. <laughs> Being like, I'm just going to have an avocado salad. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, yeah, I know. I trust me. I know. Yeah. I did no starch for years and years and years. And, uh, all kinds of different diets, and yeah, it's always, uh, I mean, it's reaffirming, it was reaffirming that I was sick and that something was wrong, which we'll, I'm sure, talk about a little bit later on. Yeah. How did you, um, how did you find, it was, in terms of mind-body healing, it was Ralph Ruiz that you found first, is that correct? Absolutely, yeah. So he how did shared you come a- across him? Oh, YouTube, or he had a um, kind of, I don't know if it's still online, but at one point he had kind of written out this long kind of post about his story and sort of, um, things that he had gone through as a young person. And, um, it was sort of a little bit of a bio and I don't know, something in it really resonated and it cut, it was the first time I felt like not afraid, like, Oh, this, and I think that's part of the reason I feel compelled to, um, kind of share a little bit on this podcast is that like, if anybody's getting diagnosed when the rheumatologist tells you you have this and you, and my regular doctor was like, well, you have to take drugs and you have to, it felt very like a sentence, like of something bad happened to me. And I, I just found so much hope in what he wrote. Um, that was the first thing that kind of opened my eyes to the mind body connection taking it out of the realm of like thinking about it, like my, what I was eating so much. And then, so like, uh, my habits and, and the idea of there being a mind body connection. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I might have read the same post. I remember it was uh, something Ralph had written that first uh, introduced me to that group. So I'd be curious to know if it was the same one. Um, so what happened? Did you reach out to him? Did you simply read what he had written and follow his videos? or? Yeah, for a little while I had uh, just been following his videos. And then I think I, I don't, I must have contacted him at some point because I remember we did like a... 20 or 30 minute phone call. And he had me take the, um, ACEs test, the adverse childhood events test. And that was what really opened my mind. And it was interesting because the, the test is phrased if it happened, you know, 18 or younger. And my, my ACEs score was pretty low if I use that number, but if I just bumped the number up to like 20, it was pretty high. So I don't know that there's like a magical, (laughs) you know, you had to experience something difficult before 18. I think it can actually happen kind of at any point in your life, Mm. but if if, if it's kind of stuck in you and you don't um, necessarily process the things that are, (sighs) have affected you adversely, um, that really opened my mind. And the other thing that opened my mind is he kind of described my own habits to me, even though we had never met. And he, he, yeah, I was like, oh, this is so strange. I feel like you know who I am and we've only been talking for a couple of minutes. And he kind of explained to me that he had spoken to so many people with AS that he had observed certain patterns and behaviors. Um, right. So I, yeah, that was really, really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So this was all over Skype that you contacted him? Yeah, and I don't, or a phone call. I don't even remember if we were like video chatting. Okay. Did you work with him one-on-one or did you go into like a group coaching? No, um, I am a part of his group, so I can check in on the biweekly calls. He does, um, I haven't even done that in a really long time. So like he, I think currently he runs a biweekly phone group. And has like some videos online for like a subscription service. So I am a part of that, but, um, yeah, but I wasn't for a while. That's actually only been, I only started doing that this fall. Oh, okay. So, but, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, what, what made you, what, what began shifting things for you in terms of your health and getting better? Um, um I think honestly talking to Ralph and and reading some certain books, and I should say that I'm not like a hundred percent symptom free and, um, but I don't think that should be discouraging to anybody who's listening and, you know, curious about their own situation because I don't feel like a sick person. I don't identify as a sick person. I don't make life decisions like, you know, based around some illness. I, I don't feel that way at all. I think if anything, I probably am, you know, maybe have a few more things to work through. <laughs> and, um, but I, I don't feel out of control. I feel like I understand the sort of link between my emotion, um, be, between sort of the emotional, spiritual side and my flare ups now. Um, and maybe some like bad habits that I hang on to. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense. Like I would say I'm probably 90, 95%. Like, right. That's, that's a, that's a long way. That's a long way to come from. So you haven't always been, um, say 
there was a period in your life where you did feel restricted, you're saying. Is that yes, right? I you think did. when I first got diagnosed, I was under the impression from my doctors that this is like a horrible, you know, sentence and that like it's going to impact my whole life. And um, I don't feel that way at all now. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like, um, you know, and a lot of it, and sometimes I don't feel well, but I'm also like, I'm really the worst at like getting enough sleep and doing the basics for myself. And I know that. So I know that there's also a huge difference in how I feel like when I do things like sleep instead of depend on coffee, (laughs) Uh, not to say that there's anything wrong with coffee, but you know, sometimes I'll just get like, Oh, I'm working too much or there's too many things I want to do. And I only slept five hours. And also I ate popcorn for a meal. So there's a lot that I do that sabotages myself on just like, the basics that like would apply to anybody with or without any kind of yeah. diagnosis. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that. <laughs> totally. One of the things that Peter always worked with me was, uh, just live like a really healthy person would, you know, yeah. <laughs> like just be really healthy. And that, yeah. that made a lot of sense to me. And you know what? Like folks that maybe do make other choices, like, you know, uh, like me, like when I don't get enough sleep or, maybe there's something troubling me or working too hard, then my body sometimes starts talking to me a little bit about that, you know? Exactly. Most people's bodies do. Most people's bodies do. Um, You put that beautifully. That's that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, right. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more about uh, the ACE, understanding it, the um, adverse child, childhood, what is it? Uh, adverse childhood events, I think. Event? Okay. I believe, yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be yours if you want to talk about it, if you even identified your own. But, like, what is your understanding of it? Um, oh, I wish I had uh, done a little review on this. <laughs> um, I forget how it's defined, but... What does it mean so to you? My understanding is anything that makes you feel not safe, anything that makes you um, on high alert, anything that makes you... Uh, just not feel, um, safe in this world. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and I, like a traumatic event, um, something that was very difficult for you. What did understanding it in yourself do to help you to get better? Um, I realized that you cannot deny that things happen, that repressing doesn't make it go away. I think I would vacillate between, um, feeling sorry for myself and ruminating on things and completely pushing it down, like not dealing with it. Um, and I learned that, and Ralph really taught me this too, that just acknowledging it, like just saying, okay, I I see this. It's there. Huh? Right. So how, how were you doing if can you describe how you would do that on a daily basis on a like something shows up what do you do within you when you notice something um i that might be something i'm still working on but i think literally just saying okay i see you yeah i see you yeah like whatever the thing is yeah cuz rationalization of like oh, this isn't really a big deal and coming up with reasons why you shouldn't be worrying. 
or saying like, oh, I'm so concerned about this. What am I going to do? Are sort of like two forms of just really focusing on it, but it's there's no power in that. There's nothing you can sort of do. There's nothing that benefits you from either perspective. Whereas if you just say like, okay, I see you and you just try to sit with it. And that's really hard <laughs> to just try to sit with it. And like, it's, it's, a, it's a, usually it's a thought. Um, but as if, as if you could look it in the eyes, you know, yeah. and attempt to sort of do that. And it, it doesn't go away. It doesn't get better necessarily, but you're not sort of in denial and you're not trying to control it. You're not trying to control the uncontrollable then. Wow. Okay. That's great. That's amazing. And that, I, all the credit to Ralph for, I, mean, I probably changed the words, but that right. sort of idea is something that he really, you know, made clear for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it's such a good reminder for me. That's one of the things I love about this podcast for myself is that I'm constantly reminded of these, uh, these lessons. Um, so, um, while you were working with Ralph and studying on your own, how, like, what was the realization about the mind and the body being connected? And what, what made it clear to you that, I mean, conceptually, I'm sure everyone gets that, you know, Mahdi, you know, yeah. we're hungry, something smells good, we salivate, blah, 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 you know, think about food and our stomach starts growling. But how did that... How did that really set in for you? Hmm, you mean like a specific instance? Uh, could be, or 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 how did what shifted for you in terms of getting, uh, in terms of healing or shifting gears? Well, I had never even heard of aces before, so um, the concept to me um, just rang really true when I took the test and I. Um, trying to think about how to answer this question I, think, I don't know if there was a defining moment I think I was I was unclear as to what I was asking I, I mean just with the mind body connection or maybe you know um like when did I really start to believe it yeah um I it was interesting when Ralph and I were talking on that 20 or 30 minute call and he was saying kind of commenting on how he observed that people kind of hold their stress and um in their body when he was telling me that somehow it was interesting I and I'm doing it right now I'm hunching over a little bit but I felt my body I felt my shoulders and my neck roll back even when he was just telling me about it it was interesting. It was like he had given me an explanation that made sense that I think I just rang so true. I didn't even realize I was holding tension in my body until sort of the relief of hearing what he was saying. Like I just felt physical relief in hearing him speak about it. And that I think was really eye opening to me because I realized that I was sitting all tense and hearing what he was saying was such a relief that I even just felt it. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, uh, I had a similar conversation with him too, where he described, um, uh, having love for the condition and, um, and not in a mascus way, but in, in a appreciating what it is here to teach me. And yeah. that shifted something in my body, you know, 
and um, having acceptance for it. Yeah. That made me relax because it wasn't like I was always kind of like waiting, bracing for pain, bracing yeah. for it, you know? And then so just knowing, oh, wait, you know, just kind of putting my feet on the ground, my full feet on the ground. Yeah. So here, <laughs> okay, here I am. Because when somebody breaks that down for you, you realize you, it, it was almost like my body realized it before my mind that I am, am such in the habit of holding tension. Like I'm going like this with my jaw a lot, you know, like I do that, like just hold my jaw tight or like keep my shoulders up. And I think that becomes a little bit of a feedback loop where you hold your body in so much tension that tension can kind of become a habit. And also, um, going back to the sort of emotional side, that sort of fight or flight response that always scanning for the next danger can become a habit that you forget how to not, you know, have that behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what happened to you when you realized that you didn't have to believe everything that you were thinking and how did you make that separation oh you just did i sorry you just froze a little bit oh okay um i got everything that you believe uh, or how how did you how did you um when you realized uh that you don't have to believe everything that you think um i think well and how did that help getting better Okay, so I'll go about this the sort of long roundabout way. And this is going to be because I feel like I'm speaking in general terms. And I, and I don't mean to make this about my biography, but I think a little bit of a specific example might make it more clear. So stop me if I start rambling. So and this is going to be a little bit of a I'm, this is something I held inside for a very long time because it was so painful. I didn't even know how to express it. So um, people I've worked with in the past, for instance, don't even know this about me. And part of me working on myself is learning to speak openly. But um, if I could really just run through the, it's sort of like a, I had a child too young. I had a child when I was not prepared to have a child and did not actually want to have a child. But with the way I was raised, I did not feel that I had a choice at that time in my life. So I became a very young mother. And then on top of that, my son had a lot of, and continues to have a lot of health problems through no fault of mine or her, his father. It's just, it's a developmental disability. So, and he's very emotionally intelligent he's a wonderful person, but there's been a lot of, um, stress and heartache and worry and guilt about not being able to be a great caretaker at times in my life. Um, so there's, when I talk about ACEs, it's something that, to me, it's something that I'm still working on to deal with the, there's a lot of emotion there. And it's something I still struggle with because to be concerned about someone who will never be able to take care of themselves is a huge, can be a huge mental burden that you can certainly, or I certainly find myself getting um, overwhelmed by at times. But, and I, and this actually happened because I <laughs> was really just ruminating on some future worry about how I was going to control some situation regarding my son. 
Um, and I had actually written a comment on Facebook and Ralph responded and he was really pointed out to me in the nicest way possible that I was anticipating a worry that was years in the future beyond my control at this point and may not happen. And I do this all the time. And I, I think I was, have been living my life in sort of fight or flight, like, you know, care, um, when there's a disabled person in your life, you are constantly trying to anticipate how to, pre because they can't look out for themselves, you know, it, when the disability is that severe, um, there's a lot of always scanning the horizon for the next potential thing that might be harmful to them, <laughs> you know, which is perpetually putting you in fight or flight, um, perpetually keeping you in this sort of tense state. And I, I was living my entire life that way. And I was believing it was almost as every potential fear was as real as the actual difficult events that had happened. And I realized that my brain wasn't necessarily differentiating. Like at the moment, everything is okay. You know, my son is living with his father and his amazing um, stepmother and everything is actually going really well at the moment. They're wonderful people and I have a good relationship with them and things are as wonderful as I could ever have hoped for. But I think, you know, we, he had a lot of health problems. There were always a lot of things to worry about. And I became such in the habit of worrying about him that the imagined fears would feel as real as the actual things that had happened that were difficult. And I don't think I ever stopped and thought about how, like, I, I wasn't differentiating. I, I would have a lot of fear and then I would believe all that fear. And that's not to say that the fear doesn't serve a purpose. You know, being on the outlook for somebody is important, but I, I was certainly getting carried away with it and believing every fear that I had so that I was never in a state of being relaxed. I was never in a state of being at peace. Um, sorry, that was a long answer. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's necessary. And thank you very much for sharing that it get, it provides a lot of context and um, an opportunity for everyone to understand where you're coming from. And I think it can be, I don't think it has to be something that, um, you know, it, it, it can be any kind of thing that happened to someone that makes them feel unsafe, whether it was happened in childhood, whether it happened recently, whether it was people that were just very unkind to you, like anything that takes away your sense of security in this world can, I, I think, put you on high alert and that, that can become a habit even when it, even when it doesn't serve a purpose. And I know that's what happened to me. I, I, and I still have to work on it. I'm in the habit of being a worrier. I'm in a, the habit of always looking for all the problems so that then I can figure out how to fix them before they happen. But it's, that can, that's not a healthy way to live sometimes. <laughs> There's some quote, I think it's Mark Twain or somebody like my life has been full of terrifying events, most of which never happened. <laughs> I don't know who said it and I probably botched it, but it's something to that effect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, that's the truth. I, I have gone through that big time myself, unfortunately. Um, What's, uh, this is a very common one that uh, we talk to about a lot of people, um, and that's being a people pleaser. 
Yeah. Would you say that you had that uh, instinct? Oh, so even, much. Even as a kid? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's like, okay. And I don't know if it was inborn or if my parents just raised me to be a good kid. <laughs> I don't know, but so much. I would like not, I would suppress what I needed. Um, and, but I didn't realize I was doing it. I would suppress what I thought. And then it's interesting. You suppress your feelings until like you get really mad. And then I would explode at people and get like really angry. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of just kind of calmly saying the first time around, Hey, that I'm, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. Have you gotten better at that? I'm learning. Yeah. I think that's where awareness comes in to realize, like to just sort of recognize patterns so that like you can, and, and learn tools to be like, okay, I don't have to agree to everything everybody else wants me to be. And I'm not being a jerk. If I just say, Hey, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And I, and I can say that without anger. Cause in the, in the past I would do what other people wanted and then get really angry about it. And then at some point explode about it. Yeah. And, but I realize people can't read your mind. Like sometimes they don't even know that they're asking you to do something you don't want to do because you didn't tell them. Yeah. 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 It's a tough one. A lot of, a lot of folks, um, on this podcast speak about that. And I, I have been, that has been something for me that has been, uh, um, challenging for me in the past for sure. And I think I'm still learning about that. I believe I might be still learning about that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's so it's, ha- it's a habit, right? Like you're habit, just in yeah. the habit. <laughs> I'm going, yes, of course. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, remembering, having fun. Yes. <laughs> uh, is, that, is that something that you forget, you have forgotten to do and and learning to have oh. fun again, has that had an effect on your health? Or did you go through um, your, your Yeah, I think that was... Yeah, after I got diagnosed, I took everything really seriously. I was like, oh, I have this disease now and I have to figure it out. And I just kept thinking, well, I shouldn't do this because maybe it's bad for my back. And everything just revolved around this kind of like sad idea that I had like lost something, which was my health. And I don't find that I, that was just a self-perpetuating kind of miserable state to be in. Mm -hmm. And, um, again, Ralph kind of just pointed out, like, just what made you happy when you were a kid? Like, why don't you go do that? Like, why don't you just go have some fun? Like, Oh yeah. It sounds so basic, but like having fun is fun. (laughs) Having fun makes life fun again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty easy thing I think to forget about, especially when, um, someone's in pain and they believe that, uh, they have to do everything they can in order to get rid of the pain. And that they have to restrict themselves from doing all these fun things because it's going to trigger pain or they got to just stay home, stay on the couch or not do this, not eat that, can't go on a roller coaster because it might, you know, blah, 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 like um, all that. It's it's, um, uh, fear and seeing um, a threat all around, so... And it's that idea of like, oh, I'll do all those things when I feel better. Like, no, go do them now and then you'll start to feel better. Interesting. Yeah. 
Is there any examples in your life where like the acting class I started, I had so much fun in like high school plays and I was like, well, why don't I just go do that now? (laughs) So I started taking a class and I like found a great community of people and I go once a week, um, most of the time. And it's just fun. It's just like playing. It's just like being a kid again. So like, you're just pretending and, and it's so much fun. That's great. And for the longest time I was like, Oh, I'll just do that when I have a less busy work schedule or more money or, and it's like, when is that going to happen? You know, just, (laughs) we have to live our lives and have fun and do the things we love. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Really interesting. Um, what else here? Oh yeah. Your, your influences. Um, you said you're reading letting go right now. Yeah. I'm not super far into it. Um, but I've, I've been finding that one really interesting. What are you learning about? Like, is there anything that's where that's, um, Oh, it's been actually a few weeks since I picked it up, but I think, uh, not, uh, not trying to control everything. Um, oh gosh, it's been a little while since I've read it, but it's, I've been finding, I've been finding it helpful. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Sorry. I should have reviewed it before we did that. No, no problem. No problem at all. Um, what about, uh, what about, um, Ralph? Um, what would you say some of the biggest, I mean, we talked about some of the things that you learned from him. But is there anything else you'd say that has really stuck with you? Um, hmm. I think that learning about the aces, remembering to have fun, um, not believing everything that you think. And how do you know? He's a good person to talk to. He even, sorry, say again. How do you not believe everything you think? How does one, how does a person? Oh, I think just, just awareness. You're like, oh, that's, if you're, um, I I think just, hmm. I don't even know if I can answer. Being, being aware of like, I think we're all sort of hypnotized by our own ideas. So if you're ruminating on your fears, it's like you may as well choose, and that's not to say deny and repress. Like acknowledge what's there, but um, if we're all, if we're all sort of believing our own ideas, anyways, and I, this is just me extrapolating. This isn't something I necessarily got from Ralph, but just to go for ideas and learn and learn and surround yourself with influences that actually make you feel better. Um. So I think that's kind of what I've tried to do, whether it's reading or, I mean, I've listened to many episodes of your podcast. Um, so because I, I just found those ideas beneficial. So just to sort of absorb what helps and not to deny or like pretend things that aren't helpful don't exist, but just to not ruminate on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really important. Um, Knowing when to let go, knowing when thoughts are just spinning. Yeah. That's one thing that I've noticed, like, uh, 
I used to obsess, and I think I have had the habit of obsessing over things, and then so recognizing, oh wow, wow, okay, um, that's just a loop. It's a yes. Loop now. And uh, that's not me. These are these are just thoughts right now that are happening, and then stepping back from it. Yeah. You know, and letting. Agreed. Go. Yeah. It's, uh, are you happy that you chose to go on this path? Yes. Yeah. More aware. Yeah. Because I think it's, if you, if you see, you don't see yourself as the enemy, then you don't see your body as the enemy. And I think it's, there's certain things that I've learned that are just beneficial. Like learning not to people, please has helped me just as a human being. It's helped me be communicate better with people. It's helped me not make assumptions that they know what I think or want. It, it's just helped in like social interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of, it's just becoming aware of your own habits. Like, you know, you have your own little frame of reference so you in your own little habits so you, and you can't see it because you're inside that box. But like speaking to somebody like Ralph or listening to your podcast and, and seeing other people's perspectives, you start to become aware and you're like, oh, maybe I'm doing things that don't always serve me or mm-hmm. um, and it's just that awareness. And like you still might have I, I know I still have the same tendencies. I still fall down the same traps all the time. But just realizing that I'm doing it is huge because then I don't have to be terrified every time it happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's huge. And I mean, if you can say that, I mean, you, um, haven't had a reoccurrence of iritis. Right. That was just that one time. time. Yeah. You, uh, basically control your AS through Advil. What? Once in a while. Barely. I mean, I like once a month, maybe one. Yeah. A pill a month. Yeah. Yeah. 12 pills a year. Um, I'd say you're probably doing better in terms of pain management using uh, Advil than most people in the United States of America, you know? Yeah, I think I take less of it now that I'm aware. Yeah, now that you're aware. (laughs) That I can use it as like a crutch. Right. (laughs) Than like before when I was younger and I was just like, like, didn't think about it. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, a little bit of pain. Here we go. Yeah. (laughs) See you later. Um, Yeah. And you've, and you've done that through things that you've learned that we've talked about on this podcast. And I mean, it's interesting. We'll never know, but where would you have gone if you just kept on going down the road you were going down before? You know what I mean? Who knows? But you chose to steer your ship in another way. And it's, it's incredible that, you know, you're pretty much pain free you're more aware and you're still, you're still growing and learning as we all are. Yeah. And it, well, you said earlier, maybe that was before we started the call, but it was um, something about almost the, the way that this, I don't want to say that I'm grateful for AS, but now I'm not mad at it. You know what I mean? The body is trying to tell you things. Usually when I'm having a flare up, there's either, I've been either, treating myself like a very unhealthy person, not sleeping, you know, just doing something that would make anybody feel terrible or there's an emotional thing that I'm not dealing with. So it's, it's, I just feel like it is the body talking. Hmm. Very cool. 
Um, let's see here. If there's any, if there's any advice you could give yourself when you were first diagnosed, um, don't be so afraid. <laughs> um, learn how to sit with what you're feeling by just saying, by not either over rationalizing it or saying that it's not there, just saying, I see you. And then, you know, it's interesting. There's kind of like esoteric things people talk about, like getting grounded in your body. And like, it's kind of hard to know what that means, Mm -hmm. but like try to find a way to like experience that. And one thing I've been doing lately that I really love is, uh, like some of those meditation apps, like uh, Insight Timer has like so many free meditation apps. And it I usually use it just to go to sleep, but it's like the best way to just sort of like just give over to it like it's hypnosis and then you'll feel the change in your body. Mm. So if you're not used to feeling like sort of grounded in your body, try something like that and just give over to it and just be like, I'm, I'm going to let it hypnotize me yeah. <laughs> and just follow it. And it's like, it's a good way to sort of just get back into yourself. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. That, then there's really, and doesn't have to be considered meditating. It can just right. be relaxing or healing or, yeah. um, or just having a nap, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, or just yeah. taking time for your body to heal and, um, and you don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to be a monk. You don't have to go to India in a cave for 10 years um, we can just pick up our phone, lay down on the bed or sit on the couch, throw on this app. What's the name of the app? Uh, in insight timer, I think. Let me check real insight quick. Timer. Yeah. I, yeah. Insight timer. Insight timer. Yeah. Check it out. Um, I know, uh, Peter, Peter recorded a bunch of, um, <clears throat> um, visual meditations and he would just like he had them recorded and I downloaded them and I'd just go to bed listening to them or in the middle of the day I'd just take twenty minutes. I'd just be like, I'm just gonna chill out. I'm gonna take twenty minutes and listen to it and just fall right into it, like you said, Eve, you know, just yeah. give myself over to it and drop right down into it. And the more consistent I was with it, day after day after day after day, I found the deeper I went, the more relaxed my body became. Yeah. And it's a habit. Then that becomes a habit, like to relax, relax your shoulders, relax your neck, put your feet on the ground, you know, and just feel our bodies, relax everything. It's okay. It's interesting. Like you can almost do things with your body like that to like, I don't want to say trick yourself, but one thing I noticed, and this was from an acting class, like sometimes, you know, you're going to do a monologue or something, you get nervous. And I was like sitting like this, like kind of like with the defensive, like with my arms crossed, like, you know, um, just like nervous, like giving into my nerves. And then I was like, okay, that's not good. So I like sat up straight. <laughs> I put my hands under my legs and just like, you know, just like open up your kind of shoulders and just like literally take a deep breath. So it's like, you can just kind of like, there's some little tricks you can do to kind of like, I don't know, help yourself when you're, you know, when you need it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And all those, those skills and those, that advice, it's all out there. 
it's all out there. So um, that's a great reminder um, to to seek that out if anyone's interested. Uh, it's a great place to start. It's a great way in. It's a great way to begin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? In, and it can be anything, and it, you can go on as long as you like, if you want. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that you think we left out? Any piece of wisdom you'd like to pass on to maybe someone? Mm. Anything we I didn't think talk we've, about? I think we've covered everything. Cool. Um, I mean, I would just say thank you for making this. I've listened to a lot of episodes before, and it's it's really benefited me to hear other people. Because um, I guess one final thought is just, like, don't forget to make human connections. Like, have fun. Um, you know, the Norman Cousins thing about watching comedy and Hmm. laughing his way into feeling better, you know, just don't forget those basic things, you know, like it, uh, you know, if you're, I can be a little bit of a workaholic sometimes and make excuses to not see friends and family, but it's just like, you really have to prioritize those things as much as you prioritize, like making money and, you know, because your community, your connections to other human beings. And and if you don't have that naturally with your family, well then, you know, it's fine to find that with friends or whoever you find that kind of kindred spirits with. Like that's, I don't think it could be overstated how important it is to feel connected to other people and animals and nature. Um, just all those sort of basic things that can get lost in modern life. Yeah. Very, very, very good reminder and, and, very important advice, I think. It can be applied to anyone, but... Yeah, really, especially. anyone. Um, yeah. I I have myself just... I, I've, I've retreated deeply into my own little world out of fear. And uh, the more involved I am in my community, the better I get. So that's, that's definitely a truth for me. That's one of the truths. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just throw ourselves in there and and be a part of this beautiful world we're in. Definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, it's a real, it's a real honor to be here with you, Eve. I really it was, appreciate it. The honor was mine. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. You're welcome. And, uh, I wish everybody a beautiful day. And, uh, if anyone has a question, you can certainly email me. The email address is underneath the description of Eve's and uh, Ralph's links will be in there as well. Um, and thanks so much, Eve. Have a beautiful day. You too. Bye, everyone. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please feel free to subscribe to the show. Or if you'd like, write a review. Let me know what you think. And uh, if there's any topics that you'd like covered, please let me know. Favorite episodes. All right. Bye-bye. The text and audio files contained in this program are for information use only. It is not meant to treat, cure, diagnose any medical health condition you may or may not have. For medical advice and treatment, please speak to a medical health professional.